The church has experienced some revival, but not like we will over the next several years. On this edition of End of the Age, we will discuss the prophesied great end time revival. Join me for another exciting program. You're listening to an End of the Age Encore presentation. What a wonderful subject we have today. End time revival. It's what we live for, isn't it? I wanted to begin today's program in Revelation chapter 7. There are many scriptures in the Bible about the end time revival and things that Christians will be doing throughout the end time. But Revelation chapter 7 is where my focus will start today. We're going to talk about the sealing of the 144,000 to begin. There are many opinions about the 144,000. Are these evangelists who will preach during the Great Tribulation? I mean, the Bible does not say that that's the case, but that has been widely taught. So, before the 144,000 are introduced to us, God is preparing to pour out His wrath. Revelation chapter 7, verse 1 through 3 tells us that after these things, I saw four angels. Now, this is John giving his account. After these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And as I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. And he said, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So these scriptures let us know that God's servants will be protected when God pours out his wrath upon the earth. The Bible says we're not appointed unto God's wrath. That's very true. God will never pour out his wrath on his servants. He will only pour out his wrath on his enemies. Revelation chapter 7, 4 reveals the 144,000 are from the 12 tribes of Israel. The Bible says, and I heard the number of them which were sealed. And there were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Revelation 7, verse 5 through 8, tells us that there were exactly 12,000 out of each tribe sealed from being affected by the wrath of God. Well, when will God's wrath be poured out? That's one of the questions we need to answer. In the previous chapter, back in Revelation 6, verse 15 through 17, we read about the sixth seal. John said, 
And the kings of the earth and the great men, the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman, every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? So the day of God's wrath, it refers to the battle of Armageddon and the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus will appear and the men of the earth who have been living in rebellion against Jesus Christ, they will be afraid because they understand the time for their judgment and the pouring out of God's wrath has come. It's a very ominous prophecy but it's going to happen. The vials of the wrath of God, that contains God's wrath. You remember the, that there are seven, uh, the, the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation. There are seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven vials. Revelation 15 verse 1 says, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, Seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Now, a lot of people have talked about that, or have taught that the wrath of God is the Great Tribulation. But that's simply not the case. The Great Tribulation is the last three and a half years prior to the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. The wrath of God is right there at the very end of of the great tribulation period, just a very short period of time. The great tribulation lasts three and a half years. The wrath of God, just very, very short period of time. Another question we need to answer is who will be affected by the pouring out of the wrath of God? I mean, we're interested in that, right? Because I don't want to be a part of that. Well, Revelation 16, which is where the the vials of the wrath of God are located, the seven vials. Revelation 16, verse 1 and 2 tells us about the first vial and who will be affected. The Bible says, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first, the first angel went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievesome sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast. And upon them which worshipped his image. So this passage says that the men who have the mark of the beast. Who received the mark of the beast during the great tribulation period. During Satan's wrath. And those who worship the Antichrist and his world governing image all during the great tribulation. They are the people that will receive the wrath of God. God will not pour out his wrath upon his own people. He will pour out his wrath upon those who have pledged allegiance to the Antichrist and received the mark of the beast. That's one thing you absolutely cannot do because it's of eternal consequence. And it is so important to understand that the vials do not affect everyone on the planet. 
It's very critical. An example of this can be found in the Old Testament when the plagues of Egypt were poured out upon the Egyptians. But the Israels, the Israelis that lived there, those plagues did not affect them. And furthermore, the plagues were localized and did not cover the entire world. This is the way that it will be when the vials are poured out upon the earth. So we're talking about the 144,000 who will be affected by the vials of the wrath of God. And it's not going to be those that are sealed in their foreheads. What are we talking about? We're talking about end time revival. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. We've seen Bible prophecy fulfilled like never before. From the halls of the United Nations to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, End Time Ministries continues to reveal the Bible prophecy in the news headlines around the world every day. Whether it's through our broadcast or online at our Jerusalem Prophecy College, your gifts enable us to put vital materials in the hands of those who need it most. Because of you, we continue to replace fear with faith in the hearts of Christians around the world we will continue to see prophecy come to pass at an even swifter pace. We need your support. Your donation of any amount enables us to continue to broadcast and be a voice in the ever-growing censored media. To become a partner or give a one-time gift, visit endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME right now. That's 800-363-8463. Go online now. Visit endtime.com. You're listening to an End of the Age Encore presentation. Let's discuss the identity of the 144,000. There's a lot of speculation. Who are these individuals that are set aside and what will they be doing? Well, you know, what information do we have regarding the 144,000 from Scripture? Well, there are five clues given about the identity of the 144,000. And these clues are contained in the in several scriptures. Let me let me go down through this real quick. Revelation chapter 14 verse 1. It reveals this and it says, "And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion and with him 144,000." So they're mentioned in chapter 7, Revelation chapter 7, and again in Revelation chapter 14. 
And they were having his father's name written in their foreheads. Well, in scripture, the lamb almost always refers to Jesus Christ. There is a part in Revelation 13 where the lamb is referring to the false prophet. That's not who we're talking about. The lamb with two horns. We're talking about Jesus Christ here. So in scripture, it almost always refers to Jesus Christ. John saw Jesus standing on Mount Zion. And then in Revelation 14, verses 3 through 4, it says, And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. Now we're going to hit some clues here, so listen closely. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. And these were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. So the first clue is that the 144,000 have their father's name written in their foreheads. The second clue is that they sing a new song. They are redeemed, and wherever Jesus goes, they go. Their lives are centered around Jesus Christ, and they live their lives in harmony with Jesus. Don't you want to be a part of that group before this is all over with? And I'm going to explain how you can be. Now, the third clue tells us that they are spiritual virgins, not defiled by women. What does that mean? Well, when verse 4 mentions them being virgins and not defiled by women, it's important to understand that this does not mean that marriage is dishonorable. The Bible teaches it is not good for a man to be alone. God made woman for man to be a helpmeet. And some people have taught this scripture means a person who does not get married can be more spiritual than a person who is married. But that's simply not the case. We know that that can't be true because Jesus himself will get married and take for himself a bride, right? The bride's the church. So the 144,000 being depicted as physical virgins, or, or I should say as virgins, is referring to spiritual purity and the fact that they have not compromised themselves with Satan and this world. This is a, it's a symbolic language, meaning that they are spiritual virgins. The fourth clue is that they are redeemed. And that the fifth clue tells us that they are the first fruits to God and to the Lamb. So these are the five big clues concerning the identity of the 144,000. Now, let's look at some of the clues because you're going to see some of the crossovers here and who we're identifying the 144,000 and we've given you the clues, 
But let me go through some of the clues describing the church of Jesus Christ. So let's review the clues and the marks of identification given for the church. And you'll see how these all tie together here. In uh, Revelation chapter 21, so we're talking about a um, the 144,000 in Revelation 7, the 144,000 again in Revelation 14, and then you get to Revelation 21, and it starts to talk about the church. Revelation 21 verse 27 says, And there shall no shall in no wise enter into anything any into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie but they which are written in the lamb's book of life so those who enter into the new jerusalem must have their name in the lamb's book of life revelation 22:4 tells us the members of the church have God's name written in their foreheads. But also, remember, it said that the 144,000 have God's name in their foreheads too, right? So the Bible says, and they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. So it's clearly referring to the church. The church has the lamb's name in their foreheads. So when our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, his name is written in our foreheads. This is very critical because we're talking about of eternal consequence here. You will want to have the Lord's name in your forehead. You're going to be sealed. You don't want to have the mark of the beast. The Bible says they're going to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. You don't want to have that mark in your forehead. You want to have the Lord's name in your forehead. And I'm going to tell you how to do that before this is over with. So the next two scriptures explain the churches that sings a new song. The Bible says, and they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, every tongue, and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. That's Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 and 10. So this passage is not referring to the 144,000. These people are from uh, every kindred, every tongue and every nation. So not only does this passage tell us that they sing a new song, but it also says that they are redeemed. Well, the Apostle Paul explains that members in the church are spiritual virgins, right? The Bible says, um, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now he's talking about the church here. That's in um, 2 Corinthians 11.2. And this virginity speaks of spiritual purity. It's not a physical virginity, it's a spiritual purity. 
That's why I'm pulling some scriptures. The Bible says here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. Well, you got to tie all these together. That's like any topic in the Bible. You need to look at all the verses that pertain to that topic to get all the clues. Well, that's what I'm doing is bringing all these verses together for you. Then in James chapter 1 verse 18, the Bible says the church is made up of the first fruits. The Bible says "Of, of his own will beget he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So this part's very, very critical. What we need to do is to compare the clues for the 144,000 against the clues to the church. And you're going to find out that they mesh perfectly. Both of these entities have their father's name in their foreheads. Both sing a new song. Both are spiritual virgins. Both are redeemed and both are the first fruits to God and to the Lamb. So, from these comparisons, we can be absolutely sure that the 144,000 are part of the church. Now, you may not have known that, but I just gave you all the verses tying them together here. Now, we need to talk about the new Jerusalem. The entire chapter of, because what are we talking about? We're talking about great end time revival, right? And I started out in Revelation chapter 7 with the 144,000. So now we're going to jump to Revelation 21. The entire chapter of Revelation 21 is devoted to the new Jerusalem. John said, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Who's the bride? It's the church. That's Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. So the Bible tells us the New Jerusalem is the bride. So is this a literal city or is it a spiritual city? Revelation chapter 21 verse 9 and 10 says the new Jerusalem is the lamb's wife. The Bible says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me saying, Hey, come hither, John, and I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Who's the bride? It's the church. And the Bible says, and he carried me away. Now I'm in Revelation uh, 21 here. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. So, Jump back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 20 through 22 through 23. It also teaches the holy Jerusalem is the church. Now, I'm not talking about the physical Jerusalem 
over on the Mediterranean Sea. Talking about the holy Jerusalem here. That's the church. The Bible says, um, Hebrews chapter 12, 22 and 23. But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So we're talking about the spiritual Jerusalem here. And to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. So notice this verse says that you have come to the church of, and he that is called the heavenly Jerusalem. So the church is the new Jerusalem. There is a physical city of Jerusalem in the land of Israel on the Mediterranean Sea. I've been there many times. Many of you have been there with us. And there is a spiritual city of Jerusalem, which is the church. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Know ye not that your bodies are temples of the Holy Ghost, that ye are the tabernacle of God. The Bible says, God no longer dwells in temples made with hands. Acts uh, 7, 48 and Acts 17, 24. But our bodies are the dwelling place of Almighty God. There is a physical Jerusalem and there is a spiritual Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem is not a physical city. It is the church. And I know I'm messing with some of your theology and we can talk about it more later, but I'm just giving you all the verses here. If you tie it all in together... This is what the Bible teaches. Now, uh, let's talk about the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles because all of these things tie in together. They were the foundations of the church, right? So, the, the very next verse, when I'm jumping back to Revelation 21 now. Revelation 21, 12. It reveals the 12 tribes are part of the New Jerusalem. Remember, we started out, we're talking about the great end time revival. And we started out in Revelation chapter 7 with about the 144,000. Now we're going to tie all of them in together with Revelation 7, Revelation 14, and Revelation 21, talking about all of them being part of the church. In the next segment, we will continue on talking about the great end time revival. Oh, what a time that will be. Does the book of Revelation frighten you? Do its symbols confuse you? For centuries, the book of Revelation has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. In Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volume one, Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. This 10-part definitive DVD series and 268-page comprehensive commentary book covers the first 12 chapters of the book of Revelation. 
featuring on-location photography, classic artwork, and symbolic illustrations, you'll walk away with complete understanding and peace about the events happening during the final years on Earth. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding as you dig into the original intent of the book, answering the mysterious prophecies and symbols of the book of Revelation. Don't miss this special offer. Call now, 1-800-END-TIME, or go to endtime.com to order. Call or go online now to get this comprehensive Bible study. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at End Time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com slash move. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You're listening to an End of the Age Encore presentation. We're talking about one of my favorite subjects in the entire Bible the great prophesied end time revival. Now, I'm going to tie the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles into the church and into the new Jerusalem. We're going to tie it all together with 144,000 even. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 12, it reveals the 12 tribes are part of the new Jerusalem. The Bible says, and it had a great, a wall, great and high, and had 12 gates. And the 12 gates were, um, at the 12 gates, 12 angels. And the names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. When John saw this vision of the new Jerusalem, he saw 12 gates, three on the north, three on the east, three on the south, and three on the west. And the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were engraved in each of the 12 gates. Furthermore, in the description of the New Jerusalem, the names of the 12 apostles are in the 12 foundations. And Revelation 21, 14 says, And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Well, If you remember back in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, it tells us the church is built upon the apostles and the prophets. You remember the scripture. The Bible says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So you can see all the symbolism here. Well, now we've got to jump back to Revelation 7. The end time revival chapter. We've already talked about the the 144,000 Jews in the first segment that will be saved during the end time. We've shown that they will be redeemed and they'll sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. This means they will be born again Christians. 
And now, Revelation's moving on down in the chapter, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, once, once we get past the 144,000, it describes another group of people who will be part of this end-time revival. The Bible says, After this I beheld in low a great multitude, which no man could number, of all, not of just the Jews, but of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And they cried aloud with a voice saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and upon the Lamb. There is no specific number of people mentioned in this verse, and they are not from the 12 tribes of Israel. They are from all nations and peoples and tongues. So when John was shown this second group of people, the elder spoke to John and asked him a question. He said, uh, the Bible says that one of the elders answered and said unto John, what are these which are arrayed in white robes and, and where'd they come from? And John said, in essence, I don't know, thou, sir, thou knowest. And the elder said unto John, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. That's Revelation uh, 7, 13 and 14. So these were people that were saved during the great tribulation period. The great end time revival, right? So the only way our robes can be white is if we have washed them in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And these people are redeemed and they had experienced the salvation of Jesus Christ and have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. So what is this passage? This passage is foretelling the, a great end time revival out of all nations that no man could even number. Now, already in the chapter, John has seen the 144,000 Jews who will be saved during the end time. Now he is being shown a massive Gentile revival that will take place during the Great Tribulation. It's going to be awesome, and I want to be here to be a part of it. Now, many commentaries on the book of Revelation, they focus on the Antichrist. The, the false prophet, and all the things that Satan will be doing during the end time. And, but a lot of times they skip over, many times they skip over Revelation chapter 7 that prophesies the greatest revival for these same times the world has ever known. The Bible, uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 20 says, where sin doth abound, where Satan's doing his work, and the Antichrist and a false prophet, where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. And that's what I'm looking forward to, folks. I'm not worried about the Antichrist and the false prophet and all the things that they're going to be doing. I'm worried about what Jesus Christ is going to be doing through his church in the end time. That's why a lot of people teach end time prophecy as scary and gloomy and all these different things. I'm teaching hope. I'm teaching revival because this is what the Bible prophesies. And just like the early church was under the reign of a world government, but yet they had revival. That's exactly what 
the end time church is going to be doing. The Bible says that they that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits during the time of the Antichrist. So Revelation 7 depicts a Jewish and Gentile church coexisting together in the end time, just like the Jews and Gentiles coexisted together in the early church. And this is very important. Listen to this. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We talked about the 144,000 being sealed. You know, so let's talk about that. There, there is much emphasis on being sealed concerning both the 144,000, which are part of the church. I've proved that to you. And the Gentile church being sealed in their forehead, right? In both cases, we provided evidence to prove that people must be sealed to be part of the kingdom of God. The question is, how are we sealed? I mean, is God going to write on our forehead with a magic marker? No, that's not how it's going to work. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So after we believe the gospel, the scripture teaches the Holy Spirit seals us. Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, the Jews and Gentiles become one when they're born again. Now, this is sometimes, there's, there's a lot of discussion about the difference between Jews and Gentiles, but does it even matter? What makes a person a Jewish person in the sight of God? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, he said, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, Neither is that uh, circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. We are not Jewish by fleshly lineage, but by the spiritual lineage. The Bible says we are the children of Abraham if we have the faith of Abraham. That's Galatians 3, 7. It is not a matter of being able to trace our physical lineage back to Abraham. It's a matter of having faith in Jesus, who was the promised seed of Abraham. And through Jesus, we are children of Abraham. Again, Galatians 3, 14. So... Baptism is our spiritual circumcision. Speaking of being spiritually circumcised, and you understand, you understand the importance of physical circumcision in the Old Testament, but we're spiritually circumcised and spiritually sealed in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul tells us how this takes place. He says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom ye also are circumcised with a circumcision 
made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. That's Colossians 2 verses uh, 10 through 12. So what did the apostle Paul mean by this? Well, there's an example in Acts 19. The Apostle Paul went to speak to certain men of Ephesus and he found certain disciples there. And as soon as he had found these disciples, he asked them if they had received the Holy Ghost since they believed. So they had believed, but they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. And what was he really saying? Have you been sealed but remember, the Bible says we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Have you been sealed by the Holy Ghost? That's how you get God's name in your forehead. And they replied that they had not so much as heard that there was such thing as the Holy Ghost. Remember, I'm in Acts 19 here. Paul then inquired as to how they were baptized, as if they had understood the importance of baptism. And they told him that they were baptized under John's baptism. And Paul explained that John merely baptized under the baptism of repentance saying that they should believe in him who would call after him, that is Christ Jesus. And when they heard these things, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul laid his hands upon them and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's uh, Acts chapter 19 verses 1 through 6. So they received the spiritual circumcision and then they were sealed. Remember, it's very important. The seal of God. So we receive our spiritual circumcision when we are baptized. Remember, the Bible says it's a uh, circumcision made without hands. When we are baptized and we are sealed, when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So when we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, this is our spiritual circumcision. It's a circumcision not of the flesh, but of the heart. You got to get these principles, everybody. Now. We are sealed when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If we want to be in the new Jerusalem, the church, the bride, Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's John 3, 3. Nicodemus said, well, what do you, what do you mean by, by being born again? Jesus said, except a man's born of the water and the spirit. John 3, 5. So except we are born of... By water baptism, which is our spiritual circumcision, and except we are born by receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is how we are sealed, we cannot enter the New Jerusalem, right? That's what the Bible says. We must be born again to be in the New Jerusalem, the bride of Christ. And we should all want to be part of the New Jerusalem, the bride, because we will be joined with our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Most of us walk around day by day blind to the prophecies being fulfilled right before us. Every news report brings a new piece to the puzzle in the race towards the final seven years and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, more than ever, it is important for God's people to understand the times in which we are living. On November the 12th, 2013, 
we opened our Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. These same courses are now available online for people who are unable to attend the classes in person. We welcome students to join us and discover the link between current events and the prophecies of the Bible. Take your place in the prophecy of Daniel 11.33. Enroll in the Jerusalem Prophecy College today. Go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. You're listening to an End of the Age Encore presentation. So, Revelation 21, verse 9 says, Remember, the angel said to John, Come hither, John. I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And John said... He showed me the church, the new Jerusalem. So why do we believe in end time revival? It's a great question, right? And it all goes back to the prophecies of the Bible. We wouldn't, if, we, if we didn't understand the prophecies, we wouldn't know anything about the end time revival. Now, some have questioned of late. If it is the schedule of God for his church to have apostolic revival right here in the end of the church dispensation. By apostolic revival, I mean revival that compares results to those that the apostles experienced. They were on a whole nother plane. Their shadows were healing people, right? When's the last time you've seen that? I mean, whole cities shaken by the impact of a, uh, a godly revival, a spiritual revival, the lame walking, the dumb speak, and yes, even the dead raised to life. I mean, the spiritual gifts of, in, in operation, all of them, gifts of discernment, gifts of knowledge, gifts of miracles, etc. I'm talking about a true end time Revival, a spiritual revival. Well, let's take a look at one of the prophecies foretelling the end time revival besides Revelation. Daniel eleven thirty two through 33. This is talking about during the time of the Antichrist. A lot of people have said, oh, when the Antichrist comes, the church is going to be, uh, the, the Holy Spirit's going to be taken from the earth. And, you know, that's the only way the Antichrist is going to be able to function. Well, actually, the Bible says the church will be here during the tribulation and we were going to have great revival. I've just proved that to you from the book of Revelation. We're going to have great revival during that time. <clears throat> um, all the way back in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32 and 33. The Bible says, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he, the Antichrist, corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God. Now, this is during the time of the Antichrist. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. I wonder who that is. Is that you possibly? Is that me? People who understand. A lot of people say, well, now people just, you can't really understand the prophecies of the Bible. Well, that's not scriptural. The Bible says during the time of the Antichrist that they that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits and they that understand among the people shall instruct many. And so we absolutely can 
understand the prophecies of the Bible. The prophecies make up about 30% of the entire Bible. Why would God put all of them in there and then make it so we couldn't understand them? 30% of the Bible. Well, we absolutely can understand them. God wants us to understand them, and that's why we study them, because guess what? They let us know we're, in fact, living in the end time right now, and we're experiencing revival now, but not like we will. During that final seven years, and even during the final three and a half years, we're going to be experiencing great revival. Remember, the 144,000, and then a multitude that no man could number. So... The scripture of Daniel eleven thirty two and 33, it concerns the era immediately prior to and during the time in which the Antichrist is going to be <clears throat> revealed. The Satan will be trying to work his will in the earth, but we're, the church is going to be having revival. Now, I'm sure that most would agree that we are heading right at that brink of time Right now, <clears throat> especially if you listen to End Time Ministries and this End of the Age program. But notice what the scripture foretells for this time, that those that do wickedly shall be corrupt. We've got that happening in our world right now, right? But they that know their God shall be strong, not a weak, anemic church, but they're going to be strong and they're going to be doing exploits. You cannot live in fear. The Bible says God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love, power and of a sound mind. And the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. You walk by sight, that's carnality, and you're going to live in fear. You've got to walk by faith in God. That's how we're going to make it throughout this time just ahead. And the Bible says where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, right? We're walking by faith, not by fear. Notice also that they that understand among the people shall instruct many. All of this is undoubtedly a picture of religious revival, a great spiritual end time revival. We're experiencing it now, but not like we will in the end time. There's going to be an escalation of spiritual acts in the spiritual gifts moving and spiritual acts and spiritual revival in the end time. But one question remains. Is this foretelling a revival in the church? Or does this have to do with the revival of the law in Israel, as some would believe? If this is to be a revival of people other than the church, what would they preach? Would they not preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified? I mean, that's where the revival's coming from, folks. In order for anyone to preach Jesus, they must preach the death, burial, and resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, the gospel unto salvation. And this in turn leads people, when you teach the gospel, it leads people to repentance, baptism, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's possible that there would be a revival. It's, oh, I should say it's impossible that there would be a revival ever again outside of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, except ye believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. The scriptures teach that the Jews as a whole will accept Jesus as their Messiah 
only when they see nail prints in his hands and the wound in his side. And Zechariah chapter 13, verse 6, the Bible says, um, Zechariah chapter 12, 13 and 14 is devoted to the time of the battle of Armageddon. Well, in Zechariah chapter 13, verse 6, the Bible says that they're going to come out to meet him and, and they'll say, and one shall say unto him, what are those wounds in thine hands? And the Bible says he's going to answer those with which that I was wounded in the house of my friends. And the Bible says that, there, that, that the, the um, scales will fall off of their eyes and they're going to recognize Jesus. You truly were the Messiah. This occurs when Jesus descends onto the Mount of Olives at the time of the battle of Armageddon. You understand we teach a post-tribulation rapture. The rapture is going to occur. We have the marriage supper of the lamb in the sky. We go straight uh, with Jesus to fight on behalf of Israel at the battle of Armageddon. That's when he plants his feet on the Mount of Olives. So if the Jews are to be participants in this end time revival, it will only be as they participated in the apostolic era Revival in a church of Jews and Gentiles combined. If God did it once, he could do it again, right? A lot of people say, oh, we're all going to be gone and a lot of things are going to happen. There's a lot of things being taught nowadays, but we got to make sure we know where the church is going to be. The Bible says during the time of the Antichrist, that they that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits, and they that understand among the people shall instruct many. So it's very, very important that we understand that we have a job all throughout that final seven-year period and that the church will be raptured at the end of that. Now, I know that's the subject for another program, a pre-post-trib program, but here's one of the things that I'm teaching in my prophecy conferences this year. Whether you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture or a post-tribulation rapture, the main thing is that you're ready to go at all times. That's the absolute main message because none of us are promised tomorrow even. And the obituaries are full every day. So make sure that you've got your you've made your calling and election sure Today, the Bible says this is the day of salvation. Yes, I'm looking forward to an end time revival because I am a revivalist. I'm an evangelist and I want to see people saved. I want to see a multitude no man could number be saved in just a few short years. But I also tell everyone, make sure you're ready today because people are called out into eternity every day. So make sure you're ready to meet the Lord. Now, the Bible says that they that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. It did not refer to a people that does not even know the name of the Lord, but rather to that people who understand that Jesus is the first, the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We're going to be preaching Jesus all throughout the end time. I mean, hallelujah. Surely this is a prophetic picture of God's church in the end time revival. We're going to be preaching Jesus, sharing the gospel. The Bible says this gospel will be preached unto the whole world and then the end will come. So do we have a job in the near future? You better believe we do. The church has a job 
all the way throughout the end time. And it's the great commission. Go ye into all the world, teaching them, baptizing them and teaching them to observe everything that I taught you. It's our great commission. Teach the gospel. Jesus Christ taught the gospel of the kingdom of God. The apostles taught the gospel of the kingdom of God. The same exact gospel. And they said, if anybody come teaching another gospel than what we taught you, let them be accursed. So guess what our message, the church's message is today in 2021 and throughout the end time, sowing the seeds for this great end time revival. It's the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's the saving message. And Matthew 24, verse 15 through 21, Jesus said, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. There's going to be revival in Israel. Let him which is on the housetop not come down, take anything out of his house. You're just going to run. Don't leave, let him which is in the field, don't go back to get your clothes. Woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye your flights not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For when, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. During the great tribulation, great revival. Zechariah 12, 7 says, The Lord also shall save the tents of Judah. Those living out there in the West Bank, God's going to save them first. That the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. And then finally, Romans chapter 11, verse 25 and 26 says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part had happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so shall all of Israel be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion a deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. The question is today, are you part of the church triumphant? Have you been born again of the water and of the spirit, just like Jesus told Nicodemus? This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.